If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gorski, and I have one, two, two things to talk about before uh, we get into this week's episode. Number one, I just want to take a minute and say thank you for everything that you guys have done. I appreciate you listening and subscribing and sharing and liking and you know commenting on social media and Facebook and uh, emails, all that, all that stuff. I really appreciate the feedback. I wish there was a way that you could like leave comments uh, in the podcast. And I know there there's some ways to do that, but they're super complex, and I just don't want to mess with that right now. But if anybody knows of a way to do that that's kind of easy. Just let me know because I'd really like to implement something like that so that we can, you know, talk back and forth. Um, The second thing I want to say is uh, if you are a new listener, or even if you're a veteran listener and you haven't hit that subscribe button, just go ahead and do it. Right. It's not, it's not scary. Just, just press it. And a, it makes me feel good, but in all seriousness, it'll help you to, uh, to know when new episodes come out. Normally it's every Friday. It hasn't been recently because I've been migrating from one host to another and doing a lot of back-end stuff before I release anything. Uh, and I don't know if it's going to be done before you hear this, but it won't matter because you won't know the difference anyways. It's all on the back-end. Um, so that's that. End of the housekeeping stuff, and we'll start with the show. Um, we're going to talk today about difficult situations that we have to deal with when we are special needs parents. There, there are a whole bunch of things that can come up in everyday life that we have to figure out how to navigate that we're unprepared for a lot of times. It just kind of happens. And, and a lot of the, there's a lot of overlap between that and, and just parenting in general, but there are some complexities involved with, with being a special needs parent that, uh, 
that are more challenging in some cases or that make things more complicated or more difficult. And so what we're going to do today is uh, Dennis Procopio is here. He, he's a friend of mine. He's been on a couple of times. He's a male life coach, but he's also a special needs dad. And, and today Dennis is going to put on his special needs dad hat. And, uh, and we're going to have a conversation about his journey as a special needs dad. And, and we're going to talk about things that he has had to deal with challenges that he's had to face, uh, maybe some specific scenarios that he can kind of walk us through. And one of the, one of the cool things about talking to Dennis is not only can he relate as, as a special needs parent, but he is also a life coach. And, and so he, he has a way of dealing with situations and being able to, to help us better understand how to deal with these situations in a way that's productive and positive and, uh, you know, that promotes uh, a successful outcome, right? Problem solving instead of creating more problems. Um, so I'm really excited about this conversation. I'm excited about all of our conversations and all of my interviews. Uh, I mean, I just am cause I really like doing this. Uh, but these ones are, are especially beneficial because there's a lot of us out there who are facing these challenges or may face these challenges in the future. So uh, we're going to go ahead and, and jump in. I'm going to bring in uh, Dennis. And Dennis, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thanks for having me, brother. How you doing? For one thing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, had a nice weekend with the, uh, with the family speaking, but just start right off. Had a nice weekend with the family. I'll share, um, right off the top. I'll share something with you. I think you'll really be able to appreciate since we don't script these things, we can start anywhere. Right. So this past Monday, my, my son, uh, who is 11 years old and who has achondroplasia dwarfism, as well as being on the uh, autism spectrum. And he's down in the mod severe uh, end of the pool. Um, he, uh, this is his first year in uh, middle school. Uh, we're, we live in San Diego. We're blessed in that he has uh, had a pretty good ride so far in terms of his uh, school experience. Um, but we have not yet updated our IEP for this new school, and they don't really know who we are yet, but they they, they learned real fast, and I'll tell you why. So <laughs> I'm I'm in session with just like we're doing now. We're looking at each other. If you're listening, uh, we're we're in a, a video, uh, yeah, a, a video situation here. And so this is what I do all day, every day. I talk to guys in uh, coaching sessions, and in the middle of that, um, I get a uh, a text on the bat phone phone from Celia, saying my partner, saying um, Bennett apparently fell and hit his head at school, and he's bleeding, and I have to go right now. Now she's a lawyer. So uh, I know it's not easy for her to just drop what she's doing. So I figured fair is fair. So I immediately ended my session. I told my guys, um, hey, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll credit you the session. I need to cancel and go deal with my kid. So there's something relatable for a special needs dad, right? There, How many times have you had to do that? Yeah, for real. Like I've had, I, I had, when I first started doing these remote interviews, I can't tell you how many times I'd get a call from the school right as I was like, we just signed in and then my phone would ring and it'd be the school. And it's like, Oh my God. But so many of the people that I, that I, uh, that I have interviewed are special needs parents. And so they just, they sort of get it right. And so they, they understand like life happens and we gotta, 
kind of do what we got to do and, and navigate that is, is, um, is he okay? Uh, well, ultimately, yeah. But so there's the middle part that I guess is what we call content. (laughs) (laughs) So let me share some real interesting content. So, so I'm on the phone and of course you're, you're you're looking at this person who is pouring their heart out about their personal problem and there's some other part of your brain that is engaged with this text message and trying to field this thing and you have to make a, a, a choice you know do i push pause on this session or do i just tell her okay well i'm in session i can't deal with it so first uh thing i had to do was to say all right let's go uh, I, I'm going to come with you. So I said, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. I'm ending my session now. So I cancel sessions for the rest of the day. Some, my gut feeling just says, just do that. Uh, we get to the school and the nurse uh, is there. The aide, the classroom aide is there. Uh, they, they walk Bennett, my son, outside. Um, and he has an enormous bandage on his uh, forehead. And the story that we get is that he fell off of an accessibility stool because like autism, dwarfism is uh, legally defined as a disability. And so, you know, he's an accessibility stool was placed so that he could use the toilet. Um, And somehow he fell off of this stool. That's all we know. Because he uses the stall by him, he uses the toilet by himself. The teacher stands outside of the stall, so there was no visual contact. There's no way for the teacher to tell me or the aide to tell me what happened. So all I know is I've got a kid with a big golf ball size, you know, uh, a knot on his forehead, and I haven't seen under the bandage yet because the nurse put it on there. But she said he might need a stitch or two. We go to our local uh, children's hospital, which, because of uh, COVID protocols, has a line out front as they're doing the best they can to triage so that uh, we don't have more bodies in there than we have to. And so, you know, it's tense and, you know, bulletproof acrylic and all of this. And so finally, we get into the emergency room and we sit and we sit And we end up spending the better part of seven hours, uh, yeah, sitting, waiting to be seen. So there's that piece. I happen to have my phone with me. It happens to have a full charge. She plays on her phone. I have all of his apps from his iPad uh, on my phone just in case. And so sure enough, I hand him my phone. And I take a a note from my own life coaching pages and I sit and I meditate and I validate for seven straight GD hours. Okay. Bro, but really actually seven and change. I have the, I have the park and validation (laughs) to prove it. (laughs) So, so there's that now because my son has, uh, you know, uh, is on the spectrum. He's not really loving being there. So we're going back and forth, walking him around and talking to him and keeping him cool. We do finally get in to see the doctors. Uh, I know my son, and I know that he's not going to let you touch his forehead. 
Yeah. That's not that's not going to happen. <laughs> you will not touch his boo-boo. <laughs> so I lie on the gurney and, you know, I'm San Diego dad in the shorts and T-shirt and flip-flops. So I lie on the gurney or stretcher or whatever you call that thing. And uh, they say, do you want us to restrain him? And I said, like with ropey restraints or something? No, that's not interesting. I'll just hold him, you know. Um, and so I lie and I hold him. So I basically sort of throw him into a, you know, little Brazilian jujitsu, you know, I put a Brazilian backpack on him and I hold, hold him. I know <laughs> that he likes comp- compression. So even though he's fighting me, there's some part of him that's happy to have the skin t- contact and happy to have the squeeze rather than whatever. They use like a pep, I think they call it like a papoose or something where they, they wrap them up like a mummy in a blanket. Minus and the that. extremity that they need to work on, you know, yeah. Right, which in this case head. is his head. So he, yeah. So I said, yeah, we're going to do this other thing if you're cool. And they said, we really like that better. So so seven or eight nurses and a couple of doctors all in uh, blue scrubs are standing around us. They describe the procedure. I say, you can really forego all of the cutesy stuff you're trying to do to get his attention and approval. None of that's going to work. Let me see. It's we're on, we're on like hour seven here. Let's just get him the Versed, get him the stitches and get out of here. <laughs> so, and thankfully mom, uh, lets me, lets me take charge of this. So sure enough, uh, a, 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 a syringe up each nostril. They double team him, shoot some Versed up his nose, calms him down enough that I'm able to hold him. They put some stitches in his head. It turns out it's a one inch vertical gash by about a quarter of an inch wide by a quarter of an inch Holy deep. Cow. I'm trying to figure out how a kid who stands three feet tall incurred a, a head trauma of this magnitude. I mean, it looks like an MMA. Yeah. It looks like a Muay Thai, you know, a flying elbow thing. And uh, and so now there's a part of my mind that's saying, don't rage, don't don't entertain punishment scripts when I get to that school, you know, like, you know, right, right, right. Because I need to put the anger and frustration somewhere. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just be present with your son and your partner right now. Be nice to these ladies, you know. And um, and so we we get them sewn up. We get him home, and it wasn't until I saw the 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 seriousness of the wound, especially because he has dwarfism, which means he has hydrocephalus. We've been through some serious uh, 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 invasive surgeries, right. and a head trauma is bad enough for an average child, but my son with his specific special needs, this was highly concerning. So... So we ended up getting home. That was Monday. This is Monday a week later. And our week has been, one, getting stitches in the kid's head. Two, keeping him home for a couple of days and entertaining him in between, like, doing our jobs. Three, um, getting him reintegrated in the school only to discover that a ball or two was dropped on their end yet again, in my opinion, in between in the 15 minutes between sessions, having to take initiative and begin to coordinate with the teacher, 
the aide, and all of the other, quote, support team to one, set up an IEP meeting, and two, set up an immediate conversation about how this happened, how this cannot happen again, how we can visit the school. You see yeah. where this is going. I haven't had a serious injury at school with my kids, but there have been plenty of times where I'm, I've, I, and when you, when you talked about how, like, you, you just, like, you feel like you're going to rage and you're going to, go hunt somebody down. That's so true, right? Like it's like Papa bear mode and it's whoever did this, you know, get a head start. Cause I'm coming after you. <laughs> how, how do you, and I, and I guess in the moment when you have your child with you, who needs to be cared for, who needs stitches and you're dealing with that, it's sort of easier to kind of stay in that moment. But when you're done with that part of it and you recognize now that there's, there's a problem at the school, whether it's safety or whatever, how do you like, as a dad, how do you a like remain calm and, and B productively handle it? Right. Like, cause ultimately you need these people to work with you, but at the same time, you also need them to understand like, Hey, my kid got hurt, like seriously hurt. And we need to get to the bottom of this and this cannot happen again. Like, how do you, how do you do that without uh, killing someone? Yeah. So it helps that. And this is a lot of information, but just my backstory is I wasn't always the nicest guy, <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly. So um, 50 year old Dennis is a kinder, gentler version of the phenom that I used to be. One of the things that I've learned is that self mastery is really demonstrated in moments where we make a choice between reaction and response. So a reaction is exactly what it sounds like. What happens is there's some stimulus, and then by habit, we exhibit a behavior in reaction to that stimulus. What I've observed uh, is that the behavior is typically learned behavior. Well, you know, we start out as babies. It's a blank slate. Right. It came from somewhere. So even though there's the idea that emotion is something that we don't control, I like to think of emote as a verb. And I like to think that I can choose to emote something different than what I'm currently emoting. And that to do so, I have to throw the brakes on. And in my son's autism ABA training, they say, stop, breathe, and think. Yeah. So similarly, in a moment where I can feel, check in with my body and feel that I'm making fists or that my shoulders are tense or that I'm my breathing is shallow, <laughs> or I'm you yeah. know I'm I'm looking at somebody's neck, or so, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I tell myself, okay, dude, take a breath, calm it down, and I run through the three sort of checkpoints that I'm borrowing from self help. Uh, the self-help giants who have existed before I came along, which is one, before you say something, one, is it necessary? Two, 
is it absolutely true? And then three, is it kind? So that for me is the difference between a reaction or a response. Because if it's not kind, then I'm probably trying to emote something that is more about punishment than it is about problem solving. Right. That makes sense. And that doesn't help anyone. And it doesn't model appropriate choices for the kid. Yeah. Ah. How do you see? I have such a hard time. Like I'm, I'm a really chill guy. Like I'm pretty laid back most of the time, but like when you mess with my kids or you mess with people I care about, the civilized part of me seems to have a harder time coming to the surface. And I, and I just want to react and, and that's hard. It's hard not to just react. It's hard to, to sort of stop and think through it before you say something or do something or respond in a certain way. Is, is that something that had, well, you said this is the nicer version of Dennis, but like, did, did you have a hard time? Was that something that you struggled with prior? Yes. We have a tendency to be most aggressive when we feel most threatened and we feel most threatened when we feel that something, there's some, some fear of loss, mm-hmm. a loss of control, a loss of power, a loss of what have you. Um, the way that I handled this particular situation, uh, his mother's a lawyer and I tend to be sort of a flexible authoritarian mm-hmm. in my approach. And so I joke and call us law and order. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So what they don't know is that she actually is uh, an attorney who specifically works in education law and sits in on IEPs five days a week um, IP meetings for children in foster care and with special needs and she's been responsible for filing several several lawsuits against this particular school district so they don't even know what they're up against so she's my secret weapon so I'm like I'm going to play good cop here so I use my stern father energy and I just simply say yes it's my son Yes, it sucks. Punishing is not going to help anything here. I need to validate everyone in this situation. First, I validated the uh, the guy who was the aide, and I said, "Not your fault. He was. You were outside of the stall. You were doing your job." I validated the teacher, and I said, "We have not yet had an IEP meeting that put protocols in place for Bennett in this space." So we should probably go ahead and do that. But I'm sure that that was traumatic for you to discover that a student was hurt on your on your watch. The good news is he's been through worse. He'll be fine. I validated the kid. I validated the mom. And finally, I validated myself for being a good daddy who could control his temper and not blow the freaking spot. When you validate yourself, what are, what are you saying to yourself? If you are a religious person. I think that any religious language mantra will do if you're, uh, you know, if you're Catholic or, or Christian, you know, the Lord's Prayer is a good one. If you're uh, uh, Jewish, you know, any Old Testament, you know, a little verse that you can pull out that gives you strength. It, I can play this game all day. But if you're if you're non non secular and you're just someone who's like, OK, I need to run a script that's that's positive instead of negative. What I do, honestly, I say, I talk to myself as though I'm fathering my own inner child. And I say, you're so cool. 
You are so calm in this moment. You're, dude, you look so good right now. Your optics are fantastic. Look at how well you are controlling this situation. Bro, you're a stud. If the ca- if the universe is looking at you through a secret camera right now, you look so good in this situation. <laughs> like, and I just keep telling myself, like, all this really good stuff as a reminder don't lose your cool. It's going to be okay, man. Model for these people what appropriate lists So you're empowering like. yourself, kind of, right? Absolutely. But not in a way that's narcissistic, just in a way that's... Um, instead of being a needy man who relies on the validation of others, I'm being uh, a self-validator who has an abundance of validation to offer the people around me in a crisis situation. And keep a cool head and manage the situation, keep it from getting worse. I've learned over the years that, you know, the old adage, you know, you get more, what, a flies bees with, with honey, honey vinegar? Yeah, bees with honey and yeah. vinegar or something, yeah. Or right, some yeah, crap. You, be nice is what you learned, right? Be nice. And so you, at the end of the day, we're talking about a school district where he's going to keep seeing the same people over and over. And... We don't want to burn bridges with his support network. So unfortunately, it's a situation where I find that they need to be educated. Why is it my job to educate the educators? Because the reality is, yeah, that's what you have to do. You know, I've got a special needs teacher who I think should know more about autism and dwarfism than I do. But the truth of the matter is, it seems like I know more than she does. So what, what's my job? Teach her what she needs to what she needs to know. Because you're the expert on your kid. You're the foremost. Right. Yeah. We we're the foremost experts on our kid or our kids. And, and we have to, they, they may conceptually understand what certain things are, but they may not be able to apply that to your unique situation or my unique situation. And you have to, you have to do that. And for, for, for men speaking for myself, I'm not speaking for all men. I'll just speak for myself. I, I used to want to just go in half cocked and just, have it out because I felt like I needed to purge or I needed to like, they need to know that I'm paying attention to this stuff and this is not going to happen. And, and I found that there's this two sides to a story thing that tends to pop up quite often. And it's better for me to go into a situation like that, thinking about like the things you talked about, like staying calm. Uh, I need to know more information before I can react to whatever happened. And, and so I, you know, I, now I can go and I can gather information. And if, and if that response is warranted, then I'm happy to dole that out. But I I found that a lot of times it's not, and it's more about miscommunication or misunderstandings and, and being able to, to keep myself calm and centered is really important to, to being able to navigate it and not make a situation worse. It's really true. Uh, that being centered is about, you know, number one, being grounded. Look, I'm present. I accept that the circumstances are what they are. And from this moment on, I am going to contribute to solving the problems that I'm able to help us all solve. And I'm going to do it in a way that demonstrates that I'm a good team player. In a best case scenario, if 
I'm given the opportunity. I'm going to show good leadership. And if there's a situation where someone else is also vying for sort of a leadership voice, okay, I'll give it to them. You know, I'm not afraid to let somebody else take control. I mean, Steve Jobs famously said, you don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. You smart, hire smart people so they can tell you what to do. So if there's somebody in a situation who actually knows more than I do, great, good, take control. But if as a special needs dad, you find yourself in a situation where things aren't going optimally for your kid or kids, and you're in a position where you have to advocate for your child. And you have to interface with uh, members of their support team, whether it's at school or it's the uh, ABA, you know, place that they go to after school, or it's the people that are responsible for their um, transportation. I mean, there are all these hands in the in the in the in the pie here. What I did that I'm really happy about is the first thing I did is I told mom, I got your back. I'm going to cancel everything. I got you. You're not in this alone. Two, I went and I found my child and I told him, daddy's got you. It's okay. We're going to go to the hospital and we're going to go, go fix you up. Three, I immediately assured everyone in this situation, it's okay. We're fine. Not you're off the hook, but it's cool we're going to go ahead and handle the emergency right now and we'll double back on this conversation. Smiling face, everything is okay, everything's okay. The next thing I did after the kid was resolved, I wrote an email to the teacher and I used a tone that was formal and I don't usually use a formal tone. So I was signaling with the formality, saying Mrs. So-and-so rather than calling her by first name that this was something that was intended to be the beginning of a documented conversation about the incident. I used a formal tone. I spoke to the incident. I itemized concerns. And I asked that we could first meet officially in a scheduled IEP meeting, but also that we could meet in person and identify sort of do a little CSI right. and look and see if we could figure out what happened. Those things turned out to be incredibly useful. And now we're at a place where I feel that they understand that they're dealing with some very serious parents. They are rising to the challenge of helping to deal with Bennett, not only in this in terms of his safety and this specific issue, but that's now extending into the other places where he clearly needs help. And I think as a result of this, his next two years in this middle school and the school that he's going to be sent to um, after that, I feel like we're developing a good long range support strategy. And I'm really glad that I didn't blow that over this one incident. Do you yeah, feel that? Totally feel that. And that's, that's one of those things. I'm so glad you said that because it's one of those things that I have, I've had to look back and I, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that because now that set the tone going forward. What you were able to do was keep yourself under control, handle the situation, rise to the occasion and resolve it in a way that perpetuates a positive outcome going forward. That's, that's not easy to do. <laughs> It, it, I mean, it isn't. So I, I mean, respect to you, man. Like that's, that's, uh, that's a positive thing. And so one of the things that I wanted to ask you was, I know that 
there's a lot of special needs dads out there who might come into situations like that where they are emotionally triggered, right? Like their kids heard something like that. What is, do you have a best piece of advice from uh, like Dennis, the life coach? Like how, how do you, how do you keep yourself in check? How do you not lose your mind? And, and how do you navigate some of these situations in a way that is productive and helpful rather than destructive and uh, ag- aggressive maybe? Yeah. Number one, breathe. Do you know how underestimated breathing is? Hugely. Freaking breathe. Like, take deep breaths. Just breathe. I deviated septum, so it takes me about 10 (laughs) minutes to fully inhale. But, But eventually it happens. So number one is, I'm like, it's the biggest irony. I've got this enormous, like, Jew Italian freaking nose, and I can't breathe out of it. I'm like, come on, give me a break with this. But breathe. That's number one. Number two, check in with your body. I remember once being in therapy and uh, my therapist suggesting that I look at the palms of my hands and the language that she used, she said, this is called a, a, a quieting response. Just look at the palms of your hands because it's a supplicating position. As silly as that sounds, when I've been in situations where I've caught myself making fists, I didn't even realize I was doing it. Well, you can't make a fist if you're literally looking at the palms of your hands. So while I'm not suggesting that in the middle of some whatever meeting or something, you just weirdly start looking at the palms of your hands, I am saying be aware of what your body's doing. Are you posturing? Because a lot of times it's not only what you're saying that's sending aggressive messages. You're posturing because that's what we do. Dudes in particular, bro, we posture. It's, it's like not so much how it's not so much what you have to say, but how you present it. You're 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 throwing a vibe, man. Yeah. I mean, I could sit here. You're seeing my face. I could sit here and be like, "No, everything's fine. We're good." That's, yeah, you know. But if you could see my face, you see that I'm I, there's something ironic because I'm saying that, but I still look like you're about to get yeah, hurt. Yeah, I just, I yeah. As soon as you took your glasses off, it that changed the whole like tone of the conversation. <laughs> right, and we do that a lot, and we we think we're being subtle. You're not being subtle. So, are you leaning forward toward the person you're talking to? Listen to your tone. Can you stand to bring your voice down a little bit? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Can you calm it down? Can you breathe? Can you reevaluate and just take a moment and say, what's more important here? Blaming and punishing or problem solving? If the answer that you keep coming up with is blaming and punishing, then there's a deeper issue. This this might have nothing to do with special needs. This might have to do with you missed a lesson somewhere along the way on how to manage your own emotions back when you were a toddler. Do you do you find is is that kind of common in a lot of guys? There are two responses that guys have to feeling threatened. One is to externalize it by being ragey jerks. The other is to choke it down and to play nice guy and to say, this is fine, this is fine, which leads to passive aggression. Do you want to be somewhere like in the middle? 
Is that kind of the goal? Nah, you want to let go of the aggression. There's aggression should not be a part of problem solving. You know, there's a difference between being appropriately aggressive and being just malicious. So if you're feeling a need to punish, that's your bad. Whether you're feeling it and you're sending it or you're feeling it and you're stuffing it, the problem is that you're feeling it. So we're back to the emoting part of the thing that I said earlier. If what you're feeling is a sensation, here, look, two different situations. One, I smack myself in the, in the, in the thumb with a hammer. I go, God damn it. And I threw the, throw the hammer through a window to punish the hammer. Right. Right? So now I got a, a hurt thumb and a broken window. That's one response to that stimulus, that feeling. Here's another one. I'm that guy on YouTube who decides I'm going to film myself eating a, a Carolina Reaper pepper <laughs> or a scorpion maruga or something that's, you know, north of like a million Scoville units, right? <laughs> so I eat this thing. It's the same sensation, but you're, you're literally crying. like crying hot sauce, but you're laughing because you're reframing the sensation, the feeling differently. So it's all, it's all in how you frame it. It's how you frame it. That's really good. I like that. How you frame it. I have been working personally on reframing things for the last couple of years, uh, coming out of divorce and adjusting to being a single parent, stuff like that. Like there's a lot of like ways that I could frame this that would not promote healthy things for me. Or I can be like, look, I've risen to the occasion. It sucks. It's hard. It shouldn't be this way for my kids, but it is. And I'm able to, to meet their needs and I'm able to move forward. And, and I focus on the things that I have control over and it helps me to kind of perpetuate that forward motion. Um, but for guys out there who, who struggle with that, or maybe who are stuck, whether it's related to work or parenting or jobs, jobs and work are the same, I guess, but relationship maybe, or whatever the situation is, how can they reach out to you for help? Because you can help men in all those different situations better navigate things. Yeah, that's right. And by the way, just as a quick aside, um, reframing is, is accepting that you're not a victim. You know, you're, you're not a victim because your child or children have special needs. You have a differently abled person there. Yeah. That's all different. There's no, there's no, you're, you're not a victim. They're not a victim. And if anyone, if anyone judges you, that's their ignorance. And if you feel that you have to defend your kid, then you might need to spend a little bit more time in the acceptance stage of things. And that's a conversation. So if there is someone who's like, hey, man, I heard you talking to Rob Gorski and I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'd like to open a dialogue. The way to get in touch with me, um, you can go to my website, which is man up lifecoaching.com. So that's manuplifecoaching.com. And if you're too lazy to type all that, you can also just go to manlifecoach.com. And if you're too lazy to do all of that, I'll have it in the show notes so you can just click it. And and that that's easy. It's for everybody. If someone wants to reach out to you, what can they expect sort of that process to be? Because I know guys guys have a weird thing about reaching out for help sometimes because they don't know what to expect. Yep. What can they expect when talking to you? Total orientation. So if you're a guy, you're between the ages of 20-something and 60-something, 
and the idea of therapy or counseling isn't interesting for you, but the idea of Dennis the bro coach uh, is interesting for you, then first of all, recognize that the whole idea behind the bro coach approach is that we're just two dudes having a conversation. Just get around all the formality. Um, there's literally no obligation. I'm just a dude. You're a dude. Let's talk about some dude stuff. Um, so number one, you're going to go to my website. When you get to my website, you're going to hit the big candy red button that says set up uh, a chat. Once you set up a chat, uh, you are going to end up on my calendar for a time that's interesting for you. And at that time, I'm going to give you a call. When I call you, I'm going to say, hey there, so-and-so. I read the client application that you filled out, which told me some stuff about yourself. And so let's have a 30-minute conversation. If in that 30-minute conversation you say, holy cow, talking to this guy really actually did make me feel like there might be a different way of looking at my situation and I'm interested in finding out more, then you talk to me and maybe we'll set up a Zoom chat for an hour or we'll take it from there. If you're not interested, you say thanks for your time. See you later. That's it. So End. it's not. It, yeah. And I found that we, you guys have listened to this, but like Dennis and I've had lots of conversations and it's I, I find you easy to talk to and very relatable. And for me personally, because, you know, you're a special needs dad, I'm a special needs dad, we have that in common. And so there's that sort of underlying thing. And then we're both dudes. So that's something else that we have in common. And it's just been a really good experience for me. You know, I know there's a lot of people out there who can benefit from this, especially guys who are in our situations. And maybe they don't realize that there is uh, a different path. So my hope is that you guys can see the benefit to getting help if you need it and, and reach out to Dennis and, you know, see if that's something that would be a good fit for you. You guys can work together and find a path forward. That's best for you and best for everybody in your life. You know? So would you have any parting words of wisdom that you want to, uh, impart before we depart? Yeah. I think you and I have in common that we just kind of, we're, yeah. we're real in these sessions. So just, if you're a dude and you're listening to this, uh, I am a real guy. I've come from some, you know, uh, 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 one of those backgrounds that I think eventually makes a good book. I have been doing this business now of mine uh, for nearly a decade and have been in education for almost 30 years. So, you know, hopefully if you're someone who's listening to this and thinking this is a guy that I'd like to have a chat with, I'd, I'd rather you think less about this as something that I'm doing to hustle up, you know, new clients. And more as kind of a service, I'd like to make myself available to guys who otherwise have no one else that they can talk to um, because it's getting harder and harder for guys in your demographic to relate to people who validate their experiences. So I just want to end this with just think of this as information. And if you want to chat, hit me up. No expectation. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. This is we're sort of. Um having a conversation that maybe you and I would have if we were in a private session and go back and forth and we share the experiences and you help me to sort of look at things in a different way that I have found very beneficial in my life. Uh, so 
check them out. All the information will be in the uh, show notes so we don't have to remember anything. And because, uh, I mean, it, life is just so confusing anymore. So we'll just, you know, click it and you'll be good. So thank you very much for taking the time to come back on. I, I appreciate you sharing your story about the last week or so. I hope that he's doing okay and that he continues to do better and you guys get all this stuff uh, resolved because I know how frustrating that is. Thanks, man. Well, listen, I'll, I, I really appreciate you having me and uh, let's do it again sometime. All right, man. Take care. Okay. All right. Bye. Ciao. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strength and connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com. That's K-I-N-U-U dot com. And be sure to use the code theautismdata at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.